one possibility, though, uh, for uh, maybe uh, an alternative uh, for getting into the housing market or, or trying to find a different way to get into the housing market uh, is uh, modular homes, maybe those uh, container homes. And then before you start thinking, no, no, I'd never live in a container, you, you've got to listen to my next guest. Uh, I, I've seen some unbelievable things done with containers. Uh, Jason Halter is the principal of Wonder Incorporated. He's an adjunct professor at the uh, Daniels Faculty of Architecture, Landscape and Design at the University of Toronto. Uh, really focuses and is, is very active in modular home building. Uh, he joins us on the line. Uh, Jason, good evening. Good evening, Shane. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. And, you know, it was a number of years ago, I was in Toronto over the summer, and I went to this place, and I don't know if they call it the modular market, or it's something along those lines, but it looked like yeah, it was a... Yeah, stack, stack market, yeah. Yeah, and it was the first time I'd seen anything like that on that scale. And then I've seen the work, uh, some some photos of the, uh, what did you call it, the Red House in, uh, in, in Hamilton, Ontario? Yeah, that's right. We did a, a, um, a two-story, eight-container uh, house in Hamilton a couple of years ago, um, which, which turned out pretty nicely. The pictures are amazing. So, so give us a sense of, I'm sure some people listen and they go, yeah, I, I'm not living in a container. Uh, but walk us through a little bit. There was an eight-container home. Like, that wasn't just here's one container and it's like a trailer. Uh, this was like a full-on, uh, whatever, multi-story home. Yeah, I mean, uh, y- y- the the opportunity came up uh, when, and w- we've been working with um, modified container buildings for, I don't know, 15 or more years, um, where occasionally a a client calls up, we get lots of calls, but uh, this one was super determined to uh, build a home on a an interesting property that was a double lot in Hamilton on a, uh, a curious, um, it, it had actually two street frontages uh, on St. Joe's and Arkeldon. And, um, you know, their mandate was to build out a, ho- a home out of container buildings. And we, uh, we uh, work together, as I do always with our clients, in a kind of a close collaboration to find out what they want. And we 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 came up with a kind of an, an interesting solution on a concrete uh, foundation, and uh, and uh, it was uh, I thought you know reasonably successful in terms of uh, how it came out. No, it looks fantastic. So, what what do you do to the inside of the containers? What's done to them? Well, I mean, one of, one of the things because it's a um, I mean, primarily a, a container is an ISO standard that is uh, made of core 10 steel. And one of the challenges in, in most regions in Canada is that the, uh, the box itself is a, is a steel box that conducts a lot of uh, cold if it's cold outside. Um, what we do in a typical uh, container building is we uh, spray foam uh, in order to break what they call a thermal bridge in order to um, make the the building uh, a tight uh, envelope, kind of like a fridge might work. And then we um, frame it out and and panel it with either drywall or rock rock wall or or plywood or whatever the the appropriate application is in order to make it a a functioning building that doesn't uh, collect condensate in the walls and that functions um, efficiently or as efficiently as we can make it. It's amazing, and then after that, it just becomes. I'm assuming the homeowner decorates as they would as they would. 
I mean, yeah, in the context of this building, the the um, the owner was really intent on finishing it out themselves. And I think that it, it depends from project to project. You know, really, I'm I'm a bit of a an iconoclast, so I'll I'll work with clients uh, in any way that that they they kind of deem appropriate. In this case, the client wanted to finish out the interior. In some cases, we'll finish out the interior and specify um, draw up everything from interior elevations to dictate how kitchens and bathrooms and every wall surface ends up or in the case of this client you know to let them have their free reign and we do the regulatory work in order to get their uh, building uh, uh, you know approved and and through the permit process in order to uh, to uh, conform to the local um, building codes what's uh, what's the most unique uh I guess whether it's modular home or or a container facility, I don't even know what the right term is, home uh, that you've put together. Well, we've we've been really lucky to have. Uh, I, I started something as I as I mentioned about fifteen years ago um, with a with a couple of uh, uh, colleagues to uh, undertake uh, b- building container buildings in in all kinds of different climates. We put. Uh, Buildings down in in Southern California, uh, in uh, Ecuador, in Eastern Canada, um, all over Ontario, and in uh, in some pretty uh, sort of challenging challenging sites. So each one represents a different set of challenges, and and I think one of the most interesting things that we did was for a building that's in uh, in uh, the Mojave Desert. Um, there's actually two buildings in the Mojave Desert. One of them's in in Joshua Tree near Yucca, and and that was really fun uh, as a as a sort of a, a combination of container dwelling and in between space because California allows you uh, that that kind of uh, temperate climate where you can live indoors and outdoors so I think indoor and outdoor living and the kind of the the space in between is really curious and, and interesting. Continue our, our conversation uh, with Jason Halter, uh, Principal of Wonder Incorporated and Adjunct Professor at the Daniels Faculty of Architecture, Landscape and Design at the University of Toronto. Uh, Jason, as we were talking before the break, uh, is this the future of housing? Why, why would this be a way to go as opposed to saying a traditional house? Well, I, you know, it's a good question because I think prefab and modular architecture has always been a bit of a, a laggard in the, in the marketplace, in the construction industry. I think um, um, while on the one hand, um, the, I believe there is enormous uh uh, potential for the the modular marketplace, and um, and yet for some reason it's sort of uh, uh, hung back. And and uh, but we have all kinds of uh, different systems and different uh, ways of creating prefab and modular architecture beyond the the container world, which I seem to have spent a lot of time in. So uh, you know there are. Um, you know, everything from uh, wood construction, volumetric and kit of parts, wood construction, there's steel um, uh, boxes that are being purpose built for residential and commercial and habitation. So I, th- I think it's coming on strong now for a variety of reasons now. Is there now, obviously, we, we constantly hear about, you know, the houses continue to rise in price. It's hard to get into the market. What does I... I I don't want to say what does a, a modular home cost because it, it's too wide range. It's like saying what does a house cost. It could be anything, I guess. But you still need the land and somewhere to put it, which I would assume is probably the hardest part. 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, so much about architecture is dependent on the site, and the site dictates how so many things, uh, you know, end up emerging uh, from a design standpoint. We take uh, as designers and uh, and uh, and makers, we we take uh, so many cues from the site itself. Um, that being said, uh, your, your question is really valid because uh, how much a building costs is usually predicated on the size of the building. And we've come to uh, expect uh, buildings to be of a certain scale since the mid, <clears throat> let's say, mid last century. Everything from food portions to house sizes have grown in scale. And, uh, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, what can we really live in? So the solution I would maybe suggest is in uh, the uh, ad- adapting to a smaller scale so that uh, building construction costs can be uh, reduced by the by the size of the building that we're proposing to undertake. How hard is it, though, in, in that sense, uh, to get people to move backwards to say smaller is better than bigger? Well, that's another great question. You see, I'm having I a think, good day. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, no, I mean, I, but but it's it's super valid because you know what we become accustomed to isn't what the future might, um, you know, uh, bring us. Affordability is everything. Uh, we like to call it attainability. Uh, the, the, the coming up generations behind me um, want to be able to afford a building that they can uh, uh, build, um, live in, and, and, uh, and, and let's say graduate into the next and whatever that might be. So once upon a time, uh, a thousand square foot house might have been a reasonable uh, proposition. <clears throat> We've grown into this sort of 2,500 square foot or, or larger building that is our starter building. And I suggest that uh, if you said to a, a young professional that we could, uh, uh, you know, build a thousand square foot building for a three to four hundred um, dollar a square foot cost, that's, a, that's an entry point that might actually be attainable. And that's what we're looking for. So, and that brings up a great point. That that is what it's about: is having something that is attainable, something that you, you know, there's, there's nothing worse than. And again, with interest rates going up too, you get into the market, and then all of a sudden the the, the equation changes, and you find yourself, you know, in all kinds of trouble and and really up against it. What what's missing then to make that happen? Is that about as we said, finding locations or, or changing attitudes that we can designate some areas for this type of, uh, you know, building construction? Yeah, I think uh, in the context, so I mean, I have an interesting example. Um, uh, and and to respond to the first point, which is that, you know, in urban centers, whether it's Vancouver, Toronto, um, you know, in between Winnipeg, uh, Montreal, wherever we might end up being, um, the urban condition dictates uh, house uh, lot sizes, house sizes, and quite often the stock is is already existing. Uh, outside of some of these urban centers, we're seeing uh, uh, developers starting to um, uh, respond to the need for young urban professionals or whomever to be able to afford uh, some housing, uh, uh, another, let's say, housing typology. Um, when I say that, for example, we have a, a colleague and client that I'm working with that has uh, an interesting proposition that we're uh, midway through site plan approvals for, which is to take uh, a 250 unit development and to develop a 
between 800 and 1,000 square foot uh, individual dwellings so that um, these dwelling units are affordable to young people. And I think if it's outside of the city by 45 minutes or an hour, an hour and a half, the pandemic has suggested to us that we can do a lot of remote working and that this is a possibility I'm not suggesting that we uh, have to, uh, uh, you know, commute back and forth to the city, but these are opportunities. These are new typologies, and we have to think about that. No, it's fascinating. And, you know, I think if you are in Vancouver, you're in Toronto, at least two of the spots that seem to really be driving uh, the real estate market prices. And a a lot of folks go, how would my kids ever be able to buy a house here? They're never going to be able to buy a house here. Like, it's one thing to get, you're in the market, but to get into the market, as we say that first time, uh, is extremely daunting. You know, rents are ridiculously high because there is no vacancy rates. I- I'm always amazed at how someone can save for a down payment now if, if they're renting a house, uh, you know, because they've got a young family. Uh, to me, it would almost seem impossible. Yeah, and, and that's that's the challenge in front of us. You know, uh, for, for some of us, I'm a um, little bit older in my midlife. I have kids who are coming up and want uh, soon to be able to move out and be on their own and and we all rented for a while, but maybe we want to try and invest in something that is a, a starter home. Well, it seems to be impossible these days in urban centers. But I do believe that there is a, a, a potential paradigm shift where we employ uh, super robust, resilient, um, you know, uh, may it be in part kit of parts or, you know, prefab modular housing. But again, if we make them uh, slightly smaller and afford uh, this this uh, opportunity to young professionals, we can we can come up with uh, real solutions. Jason, uh, sorry, I, I got to cut you off. We're up against the break. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much.